Chapter Twelve of Personal Narrative of Pilgrimage to Al Medina and Mecca by Richard Francis Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Twelve of Personal Narrative of Pilgrimage to Al Medina and Mecca by Richard Francis Burton. The Halt at Yambar. The heat of the sun, the heavy dews, and the frequent washings of the waves had so affected my foot that on landing at Yambar I could scarcely place it upon the ground. But traveller's duty was to be done, so leaning upon my slave's shoulder, I started at once to see the town, whilst Sheikh Ahmed and the others of our party proceeded to the custom-house. Yambar al-Bahar Yambar, or fountain of the sea. Footnote. Yambar, in Arabic, is a fountain. Yambar of the sea is so called to distinguish it from Yambar of the palm grounds, a village at the foot of the mountains, about eighteen or twenty miles distant from the seaport. Ali Bay places it one day's journey, east one degree, four degrees northeast from Yambar al-Bahar and describes it as a pleasant place in a fertile valley it is now known as yambar and nakhil see the land of median revisited and a footnote identified by abyssinian bruce with the iambia village of ptolemy is a place of considerable importance and shares with others the title of the gate of the holy city it is the third quarter of the caravan road from cairo to mecca and here as well as at badr pilgrims frequently leave behind them in hired warehouses goods too heavy to be transported in haste or too valuable to risk in dangerous times footnote the first quarter of the cairo caravan is al aqaba the second is manhel selma or Salma's place for watering camels, the third is Yambur, and the fourth is Mecca. And a footnote. Yambur, being the port of Al Medina, as Jeddah is of Mecca, is supported by a considerable transport trade and extensive imports from the harbours on the western coast of the Red Sea. It supplies its chief town with grain, dates, and henna here the sultan's dominion is supposed to begin whilst the authority of the pasha or egypt ceases there is no nizam or regular army however in the town footnote the nizam as europeans now know is the regular turkish infantry in al hijaz these troops are not stationed in small towns like Yambar. At such places, a party of irregular horses, for the purpose of escorting travellers, is deemed sufficient. The Yambar police seems to consist of the Sharif's sturdy negroes. In Ali Bey's time, Yambar belonged to the Sharif of Mecca, and it was garrisoned by him. End of footnote. And the governor is a Sharif, or Arab chief. I met him in the great bazaar. He is a fine young man of light complexion and the usual high profile, handsomely dressed with a cashmere turban, armed to the extent of sword and dagger, and followed by two large, fierce-looking negro slaves leaning upon enormous nabuts. The town itself is in no wise remarkable. 
built on the edge of a sunburnt plain that extends between the mountains and the sea it fronts the northern extremity of a narrow winding creek viewed from the harbour it is a long line of buildings whose painful whiteness is set off by a sky like cobalt and a sea like indigo behind it lies the flat here a bister brown there of lively tawny whilst the background is formed by dismal raudwa barren and bare unsightly unadorned outside the walls are a few little domes and tombs which by no means merit attention inside the streets are wide and each habitation is placed at an unsociable distance from its neighbour except near the port and the bazaars where ground is valuable the houses are roughly built of limestone and coralline and their walls full of fossils crumble like almond cake they have huge hanging windows and look mean after those in the muslim quarters of cairo there is a souk or market street of the usual form a long narrow lane darkened by a covering of palm trees with little shops let into the walls of the houses on both sides the cafes which abound here have already been described in the last chapter they are rendered dirty the extreme by travellers and it is impossible to sit in them without a fan to drive away the flies the custom-house fronts the landing-place upon the harbour it is managed by turkish officials men dressed in tarbushes who repose the livelong day upon the diwans near the windows in the case of us travellers they had very simple way of doing business charging each person of the party three piastres for each large box but by no means troubling themselves to meddle with the contents Footnote. this as far as i could learn is the only tax which the sultan's government derives from the northern hijaz the people declare it to be as one might expect at this distance from the capital liable to gross speculation when the wahhabis held the Ambar, they assessed it like all other places for which their men is held in the liveliest abhorrence and a footnote yambar also boasts of a hammam or hot bath a mere date-leaf shed tenanted by an old turk who with his surly albanian assistant lives by cleaning pilgrims and travellers some whitewashed mosques and minarets of exceedingly simple form a wakala or two for the reception of merchants and a saint's tomb complete the list of public buildings in one point yambar claims superiority over most other towns in this part of al hijaz those who can afford the luxury drink sweet rain-water collected amongst the hills in tanks and cisterns and brought on camel-back to the town two sources are especially praised the ayn al-birkat and the ayn ali which suffice to supply the whole population the brackish water of the wells is confined to coarser purpose some of the old people here as at suez are said to prefer the drink to which years of habit have accustomed them and it is a standing joke that arrived at cairo they salt the water of the nile to make it palatable the population of yambar one of the most bigoted and quarrelsome races in al hijaz strikes the eye after arriving from egypt as decidedly a new feature the sheikh or gentleman is over-armed and overdressed as fashion the tyrant of the desert as well as the court dictates to a person of his consequence 
the civilized traveller from al medina sticks in his waist shawl a loaded pistol garnished with crimson silk cord but he partially conceals the butt end under the flap of his jacket footnote civilians usually stick one pistol in the belt soldiers and fighting men two or more with all the necessary concomitants of pouches turnscrews and long iron ramrods which opening with a screw disclose a long thin pair of pincers wherewith fire is put upon the chibuk the irregular soldier struts down the street a small armoury of weapons one look at the man's countenance suffices you what he is here and there stalk grim bedouin wild as their native waste and in all the dignity of pride and dirt they are also armed to the teeth and even the presence of the policeman's quarter-staff cannot keep their sores in their scabbards Footnote. the weapons with which nations are to be managed form a curious consideration the englishman tamely endures a staff which would make a frenchman mad with anger and a frenchman respects a sabre which will fill an englishman's bosom with civilian spleen you order the egyptian to strip and be flogged he makes no objection to seeing his own blood flow in this way but were a cutting weapon used his friends would stop at nothing in their fury and a footnote what we should call the peaceful part of the population never leave the house without the nabut over the right shoulder and the larger the longer and the heavier the weapon is the more gallantry does the bearer claim the people of yamba practise the use of this implement diligently they become expert in delivering a head-blow so violent as to break through any guard and with it they always decide their trivial quarrels Footnote in arabia generally the wound is less considered by justice and revenge than the instrument with which it was inflicted sticks and stones are held to be venial weapons guns and pistols swords and daggers are felonous End of footnote. the dress of the women differs but little from the egyptians except in the face veil which is generally white footnote europeans inveigh against this article which represents the loup of luby the fourteenth time for its hideousness and jealous concealment of charms made to be admired it is on the contrary the most coquettish article of women's attire excepting perhaps the lizam of constantinople it conceals coarse skins fleshy noses the wide mouths and vanishing chins whilst it sets off to best advantage what in these lands is almost lustrous and liquid the eyes who has not remarked this at a masquerade ball and a footnote there is an independent bearing about the yambar men strange in the east they are proud without insolence and they look manly without blustering their walk partakes somewhat of the nature of a swagger owing perhaps to the shape of the sandals not a little assisted by the self-esteem of the wearer but there is nothing offensive in it moreover the population has a healthy appearance and fresh from egypt i could not help noticing their freedom from ophthalmic disease the children too appear vigorous nor are they here kept in the state of filth to which fear of the evil eye devotes them in the valley of the nile 
My companions found me in a coffee-house where I had sat down to rest from the fatigue of halting on my wounded foot through the town. They had passed their boxes through the custom-house and were now inquiring in all directions, Where is the Effendi? After sitting for half an hour we rose to depart, when an old Arab merchant whom I had met at Suez politely insisted upon paying for my coffee, still a remark of attention in Arabia, as it was Willem in France. We then went to a wakala, near the bazaar, in which my companions had secured an airy upper room on the terrace opposite the sea, and tolerably free from Yamba's plague the flies it had been tenanted by a party of travellers who were introduced to me as omar effendi's brothers he had by accident met them in the streets the day before they started for constantinople where they were travelling to receive the ikram footnote ikram is a certain stipend owned by the sultan to the civilians to the citizens of the haramain mecca and el medina it will be treated at length in a future chapter. And a footnote. The family was, as I have said before, from Dagestan or Circassia, and the male members still showed unequivocal signs of a northern origin in light yellowish skin, grey eyes fringed with dark lashes, red lips, and a very scant beard. They were broad-shouldered, large-limbed men, distinguished only by peculiar surliness of countenance, Perhaps their expression was the result of their suspecting me, for I have observed them narrowly watching every movement during wudu and prayer. This was a good opportunity for displaying the perfect nonchalance of a true believer, and my efforts were, I believe, successful, for afterwards they seemed to treat me as a mere stranger from whom they could expect nothing, and who therefore was hardly worth their notice. On the afternoon of the day of our arrival we sent for a mukharraj, or hirer of conveyance, and began to treat for camels. Footnote. The sheikh, or agent of the camels, without whose assistance it would be difficult to hire beasts, he brings the Bedouin with him, talks them over to fair terms, sees the arbun or the earnest money delivered to them and is answerable for their not falling in their engagement and a footnote one am jamal a respectable native of al medina who was on his way home undertook to be the spokesman after a long palaver for the sheikh of the camels and his attendant bedouin were men that fought for far things and were not far inferior to them a bargain was struck we agreed to pay three dollars for each beast, half in ready money, the other half after reaching our destination, and to start on the evening of the next day with a grain caravan guarded by an escort of irregular cavalry. I hired two animals, one for my luggage and servant, the other for the boy Mohammed and myself, expressly stipulating that we were to ride the better beast, and that if it broke down on the road, its place should be supplied by another as good. My friends could not dissemble their uneasiness when informed that the Mukharraj and that the Hazimi tribe was out, and that travellers had to fight every day. The Dagestanis also contributed to their alarm. We met, they said, between two hundred and three hundred devils on a radia near Al-Medina, 
we gave them the salam but they would not reply although we were all on dromedaries when they asked us if we were men of el medina and we replied yes and lastly they wanted to know the end of our journey so we said bir abbas footnote not returning salam was a sign on the part of the bedouin that they were out to fight and not to make friends and the dromedary riders who generally travel without much to rob thought this behaviour as declaration of desperate designs the bedouin asked if they were al medina men because the former do not like unless when absolutely necessary to plunder the people of the holy city and the dagestanis said their destination was bir abbas a neighbouring instead of yambo a distant post because those who travel on a long journey being supposed to have more funds with them are more likely to be molested and a footnote the bedouin who had accompanied the dagestanis belonged to some tribe unconnected with the hazimi the spokesman rolled his head as much as to say allah has preserved us and a young indian of the party i shrewdly suspected him of having stolen my penknife that night displayed the cowardice of a mian by looking aghast at the memory of his imminent and deadly risk footnote mian is the hindustani word for sir is known to the bedouin all over hijaz they always address indian muslims with this word which has become contemptuous on account of the low esteem in which the race is held and a footnote sir said sheikh noor to me we must wait till all of this is over i told him to hold his tongue and sharply reproved the boy mohammed upon whose manner the effect of finding himself suddenly in a fresh country had wrought a change for the worse why ye were lions at cairo and here at yambo ye are cat's hens footnote that is to say sneaks and cowards i was astonished to see our maghrabi fellow-passenger in the bazaar at yambur cringing and bowing to us more like courtiers than bedouin such however is the effect of a strange place upon orientals generally in the persians such humility was excusable in no part of al-hijaz are they for a moment safe from abuse and blows and a footnote it was not long however before the youth's impudence returned upon him with increased violence we sat through the afternoon in the little room on the terrace whose reflected heat together with the fiery winds from the wilderness seemed to incommode even my companions after sunset we dined in the open air a body of twenty masters servants children and strangers all the procurable rugs and pillows had been seized to make a diwan and we squatted together round a large cauldron of boiled rice containing square masses of mutton the whole covered with clarified butter said the demon was now in his glory with what anecdotes the occasion supplied him his tongue seemed to wag with a perpetual motion for each man he had a boisterous greeting and to judge from his whisperings he must have been in every one's privacy and confidences conversation over pipes and coffee was prolonged to ten p m a late hour in these lands then we prayed isha or vespers or evening prayer and spreading our mats upon the terrace slept in the open air the forenoon of the next day was occupied in making sundry small purchases 
we laid in seven days provision for the journey repacked our boxes polished and loaded our arms and attired ourselves appropriately for the road by the advice of am jamal am literally means paternal uncle in the hijaz it is prefixed to the names of respectable men who may also be addressed ya am jamal or o oh, uncle jamal as to say ya ammi or o oh, my uncle is more familiar and would generally be used by a superior addressing an inferior and a footnote addressed as an arab in order to avoid paying the jizyat or the capitation tax which upon this road the settled tribes extort from stranger travellers jizyat properly means the capitation tax levied on infidels in this land of intense pride the bedouin and even the town chiefs apply the opprobrious term to blackmail extorted from travellers even of their own creed and a footnote and he warned me not to speak in any other language but arabic even to my slave in the vicinity of a village i bought for my own convenience a shukduf or a letter for which i paid two dollars footnote the shukduf of al-hijaz differs greatly from that used in syria and other countries it is composed of two corded cots five feet long slung horizontally about halfway down and parallel with the camel's sides these cots have short legs and at the hull may be used as bedsteads the two are connected together by loose ropes attached to the inner long sides of the framework and these are thrown over the camel's pack saddle thick twigs inserted in the ends of the outer long sides of the framework are bent over the top bower fashion to support matting carpets and any other protection against the sun there is an opening in this kind of wicker-work in the front towards the camel's head through which you creep and a similar one behind creates a draught of wind outside towards the camel's tail are pockets containing gulles or earthen bottles of cooled water inside attached to the wicker-work a large provision pouches similar to those used in old-fashioned travelling chariots at the bottom are spread two beds the greatest disadvantage of the shukduf is the difficulty of keeping balance two men ride in it and their weights must be made to tally moreover it is liable to be caught and torn by thorn trees to be blown off in a gale of wind and its awkwardness causes the camel repeated falls which are most likely to smash it yet it is not necessarily an uncomfortable machine those for sale in the bazaar are of course worthless being made of badly seasoned wood but private litters are sometimes pleasant vehicles with turned and painted framework silk cordage and valuable carpets they often describe mahmal as nothing but a syrian shukduf royally ornamented and a footnote it is a vehicle appropriated to women and children fathers of families married men shelabis and generally to those who are too effeminate to ride shelabis are exquisites and a footnote my reason for choosing a litter was that notes are more easily taken in it than on a dromedary's back the excuse of lameness prevented it detracting from my manhood and i was careful when entering any populous place to borrow or hire a saddled beast our party dined early that day for the camels had been sitting at the gate since noon 
we had the usual trouble in loading them the owners of the animals vociferating about the unconscionable weight the owners of the goods swearing that a child should carry such weight while the beasts taking part with their proprietors moaned piteously roared made vicious attempts to bite and started up with an agility that threw the half-secured boxes or sacks headlong to the ground about three p m all was ready the camels formed into indian file were placed standing in the streets but as usual with oriental travellers all the men dispersed about the town we did not mount before it was late in the afternoon now i must take the liberty of presenting to the reader an arab sheikh fully equipped for travelling it is the same rule with the arab on the road as at home the more he is dressed the greater is his respectability for this reason you see sharifs and other men of high family riding or walking in their warm camel's hair robes on the hottest days another superstition of the arab is this that thick clothes avert the evil effects of the sun's beams by keeping out the heat to the kindness of a friend thomas seddon i owe the admirable sketch of an arab sheikh in his travelling dress and a footnote nothing can be more picturesque than the costume and it is with regret that we see it exchanged in the towns and more civilized parts of any other the long locks or the shaven scalps are surmounted by a white cotton skull-cap over which is a kofiya which is a large square kerchief of silk and cotton mixed and generally of a dull red colour with a bright yellow border from which depend crimson silk twists ending in little tassels that reach the wearer's waist doubled into a triangle and bound with an egal or a fillet of rope a skein of yarn or a twist of wool the kerchief fits the head close behind it projects over the forehead shading the eyes and giving a fierce look to the countenance footnote sharifs and other great men sometimes bind the white turban or cashmere shawl round a kerchief to keep it in its place the egal varies in every part of the country here it is a twist of dyed wool with a bit of common rope three or four feet long some of the arab tribes use a circlet of wood composed of little round pieces the size of a shilling joined side by side and inlaid with mother-of-pearl the eastern arabs wear a large circle of brown wool almost turbaned in itself in barbary they twist bright-coloured cloth round a rope and adorn it with thick golden thread and a footnote on certain occasions one end is brought round the lower part of the face and is fastened behind the head this veiling the features is technically called litham the chief generally fights so and it is the usual disguise when a man fears the avenger of blood or a woman starts to make her sar footnote sar is generally written thar the blood revenge rite acknowledged by law and custom see chapter twenty four post and a footnote in hot weather it is supposed to keep the samum in the cold weather the katara from the lungs the body dress is simply a kameez or cotton shirt tight-sleeved opening in front and adorned around the waist and collar and down the breast with embroidery like network it extends from neck to foot some wear white trousers but the bedouin consider such things effeminate and they have not yet fallen into the folly of socks and stockings 
Over the kameez is thrown a long-skirted and short-sleeved cloak of camel's hair, called an abba. It is made in many patterns, and of all materials from pure silk to coarse sheep's wool. Some prefer it brown, others white, others striped. In al-Hijaz, the favorite hue is white, embroidered with gold, tinsel, or yellow thread in two large triangles capped with broad bands and other figures running down the shoulders and the sides of the back footnote gold however as well as silk i may be excused for repeating is a forbidden article of ornament to the muslim End of footnote. it is lined inside the shoulders and breast with handsome stuffs of silk and cotton mixed and it is tied in front by elaborate strings and tassels or acorns of silk and gold a sash confines the kameez at the waist and supports the silver-hilted jambiya or crooked dagger footnote the silver-hilted jambiya is a sign of dignity i would silver my dagger in idiomatic hijazi means i would rise myself in the world End of footnote. the picturesque arab sandal completes the costume footnote. Nibur has accurately described this article. It is still worn in the Madras army, though long discarded from other precedencies. The main difference between the Indian and the Arab sandal is that the former has a ring into which the big toe is inserted, and the latter has a thong which is clasped between the big toe and its neighbor. Both of them are equally uncomfortable and equally injurious to the soldiers, whose legs fight as much as they do their arms they abrade the skin wherever the straps touch expose the feet to the sun wind and rain and admit thorns and flints into the toes and toenails in arabia the traveller may wear it if he pleases slippers but they are considered townsmanlike and effeminate they must be of the usual colours red or yellow Black shoes, although almost universally worn by the Turks at Cairo and Constantinople, would almost probably excite suspicion in Al-Hijaz. Finally, the Sheikh's arms are a sword and a matchlock slung behind his back. In his right hand he carries a short javelin. Footnote. The Mizrak, as it is called, is peculiar to certain tribes as the Karashi and the Lahyami and some like the hodaili near mecca make very pretty as well as very useful darts the head is fifteen or sixteen inches long nowhere broader than an inch and tapering gradually to a fine point its shape is two shallow prisms joined at their bases and its socket round like that of all lances measures a little less than two inches the lower third of the blade is only adorned with bars, lozenge, and cones of brass let into the iron in zigzag and other figures. The shaft is of hard pliant wood. I do not know of what tree. Well seasoned with grease and use, it is twenty-three inches long and strengthened and adorned at distances of half an inch apart by hands of fine brass wire about one inch and a half long. The heel of the weapon is a blunt spike fourteen inches long used to stick it in the ground and this as well as the lower third of the blade is ornamented with brasswork being well balanced the mizrak is a highly efficient weapon for throwing in hunting and by its handsome appearances adds not a little to the bearer's dignity but the stranger must be careful how he so arms himself 
unless he be undistinguishable from a bedouy by carrying a weapon peculiar to certain clans he will expose himself to suspicion or to laughter and to offend an arab of al-hijaz mortally you only have to say bluntly sell me thy spear the proper style of address to the man whose necessities compel him to break through one of his points d'honneur is to say give me that javelin and i will satisfy thee after which he will haggle for each copper piece as though you were cheapening a sheep and a footnote or a light crooked stick about two feet and a half long called mushab for guiding camels footnote the mushab is of almond generally brought from syria at the thick end is a kind of crook formed by cutting off a bit of the larger branch from which the stick grows this crook is afterwards cut into the shape useful to seize a camel's nose-ring or a horse's bridle arabs of all degrees are fond of carrying these sticks it is also called marin and a footnote the poorer clans of arabs twist round their waist next to the skin a long plate of greasy leather to support the back and they grit the shirt at the middle merely with a cord or a coarse sash the dagger is stuck in the scarf and a bandolier slung over the shoulders carries the cartridge case powder flask flint and steel priming horn and other necessaries with the traveller the waist is an elaborate affair next to the skin is worn the money pouch concealed by the kameez the latter is girt with a waist shawl over which is strapped a leathern belt footnote this article the zilahlik of the turks is composed of several oblong pieces of leather cut out to fit the front part of the body between each fold there is enough room to stick a weapon a substantial strap fastens it around the waist and it serves to defend the sash or the shirt from iron mould and the stains of gunpowder it is made of all kinds of material from plain moroccan leather to the richest velvet embroidered with gold and a footnote the latter article should always be well garnished with a pair of long-barrelled and silver-mounted flint pistols a large and small dagger and iron ramrod with pincers inside footnote it is as well to have a good pair of turkish barrels and stocks fitted up with locks of european manufacture those made by natives of these countries can never be depended upon the same will apply to the gun or rifle upon the whole it is more prudent to have flint locks copper caps are now sold in the bazaars of mecca and el medina where a colt six-shooter might excite attention for a day but were the owner in a position to despise notoriety he might display it everywhere without danger one of our guards who was killed on the road had a double-barrelled english fowling-piece still when doubt must not be aroused the traveller will do well to avoid even in the civilised hijaz suspicious appearances in his weapons i carried in a secret pocket a small pistol with a spring dagger upon which dependence could be placed and i was careful never to show it discharging it and loading it always in the dark some men wear a little dagger strapped around the leg below the knee its use is this when the enemy gets you under he can prevent you bringing your hand up to the weapon in your waist-belt but before he cuts your throat you may slip your fingers down to the knee and persuade him to stop by a stab in the perineum 
this knee dagger is required only in very dangerous places the article i chiefly accused myself of forgetting was a stout english clasp-knife with a large handle a blade like an arkansas toothpick and possessing the other useful appliances of picker fleam tweezers lancet and punch and a footnote the latter article should always be well garnished with a pair of long-barrelled and silver-mounted flint pistols a large and a small dagger and an iron ramrod with pincers inside a little leathern pouch fastened to the waist strap on the right side contains cartridge wadding and flask of priming powder the sword hangs over the shoulder by crimson silk cords and huge tassels well-dressed men apply the same showy ornaments to their pistols footnote called hebek these cords are made in quantities at cairo which possesses a special bazaar for them and are exported to all the neighbouring countries where their price considerably increases a handsome pistol cord with its tassels costs about twelve shillings in egypt at mecca or al medina the same would fetch upwards of a pound sterling and a footnote. in the hand may be borne a bell-mouthed blunderbuss or better still a long single-barrel gun with an ounce bore all these weapons must shine like silver if you wish to be respected for the knightly care of arms is here a sign of manliness pilgrims especially those from turkey carry as i have said hamail to denote their holy errand this is a pocket koran in handsome gold embroidered crimson velvet or red moroccan case slung by red silk cords over the left shoulder they must be hung down by the right side and should never depend below the waist belt for this i substituted a most useful article to all appearances a hamail it had inside three compartments one for my watch and compass the second for ready money and the third contained a penknife pencils slips of paper which i could hold concealed in the hollow of my hand these for writing and drawing opportunities of making fair copy into the diary book are never wanting to the acute traveller footnote my diary book was made up for me by cairn it was a long thin volume fitting into the breast pocket where it could be carried without being seen i began by writing notes in arabic character but as no risk appeared my journal was afterwards kept in english more than once by way of experimenting i showed the writing on a loose slip of paper to my companions and astonished them with a the strange character derived from solomon and alexander the lord of the two horns which we afghans still use for a short trip a pencil suffices on a long journey ink is necessary the latter article should be english not eastern which is washed out clean the first time your luggage is thoroughly soaked with rain the traveller may use either the persian or the brass inkstand the latter however is preferable being stronger and less likely to break but unless he is capable of writing and reading a letter correctly it would be unadvisable to stick such an article in the waist-belt as this gives out publicly that he is a scribe when sketching a pencil is the best because the simplest and shortest mode of operation is required important lines should afterwards be marked with ink as fixing is impossible on such journeys for prudence sake when my sketches are made i cut up the paper into square pieces numbered them for future references and hid them in the tin canisters that contained my medicines and a footnote 
he must however beware of sketching before the bedouin who would certainly proceed to extreme measures suspecting him to be a spy or a sorcerer Footnote. an accident of this kind happened not long ago in hadramut to a german traveller who shall remain nameless he had the mortification to see his sketch-book the labour of months summarily appropriated and destroyed by the arabs i was told by a hadramoti man at cairo and by several at aden that the gentleman had at the time a narrow escape for his life the bedouin wished to put him to death as a spy sent by the frank to ensource their country but the sheikhs forbade bloodshed and merely deported the offender travellers caught sketching are not often treated with such forbearance End of footnote. nothing so effectually puzzles these people as the frankish habit of putting everything on paper their imaginations are set at work and then the worst may be expected from them the only safe way of writing in presence of a bedouin would be when drawing out a horoscope or preparing a charm he also objects not if you can warm his heart upon the subject to seeing you take notes in a book of genealogies you might begin with and you men of harp on what origin do you pride yourselves and while the listeners became fluent upon the to them all interesting theme you could put down whatever you please upon the margin the townspeople are more liberal and years ago the holy shrines have been drawn surveyed and even lithographed by eastern artists still if you wish to avoid all suspicion you must rarely be seen with pen or with pencil in hand at six p m descending the stairs of our wakala we found the camels standing loaded in the street and shifting their ground in token of impatience footnote all arabs assert that it pains the loaded camel's feet to stand still and certainly the fidgetiness of the animal to start looks as if he had some reason to prefer walking End of footnote. my shukluf perched upon the back of a tall strong animal nodded and swayed about with his every motion impressing me with the idea that the first step would throw it over the shoulders or the crupper the camel-man told me i must climb up the camel's neck and so creep into the vehicle but my foot disabling me from such exertion i insisted upon their bringing the beast to a squat which they did grumblingly footnote it often strains the camel to raise with a full shukduf on his back besides which the motion is certainly to destroy the vehicle in a few days those who are unable to climb up the camel's neck usually carry with them a short ladder End of footnote we took leave of umar effendi's brothers and their dependents who insisted upon paying us the compliment of accompanying us to the gate then we mounted and started which was a signal for all our party to disperse once more some heard the report of a vessel having arrived in suez with mohammed and other friends on board these hurried down to the harbour for a parting word others declaring they had forgotten some necessaries for the way ran off to spend one last hour in gossip at the coffee-house then the sun set and prayers must be said their brief twilight had almost faded away before all had mounted with loud cries of go in the middle of the row o he and jannib yel jamal keep to the side 
you old camel man. Footnote. Wasit means go to the middle of the road. Jennib means keep clear of the sides. These words are fair specimens of how much may be said in two Arabic syllables. Yeho, or Ohi, is an address common in Arabia as in Egypt, and Yel Jemel, or O Camel, is perhaps a little more civil. End of footnote. We threaded our way through long, dusty, narrow streets, flanked with whitewashed habitations at considerable intervals, and large heaps of rubbish, sometimes higher than the houses. We stopped at the gate to ascertain if we were strangers, in which case the guard would have done his best to extract a few piastres before allowing our luggage to pass but he soon perceived by my companion's accents that they were sons of the holy city consequently that the case was hopeless while standing here sheikh hamid vaunted the strong walls and turrets of yambar which he said were superior to those of jeddah footnote the rivalry between the sons of the two cities extend even to these parts the medinis contending for yambar the meccans for jeddah and a footnote they kept saud the wahhabi at bay in a d o two but would scarcely i should say resist the field battery in a d eighteen fifty three the moon rose fair and clear dazzling us with light as we emerged from the shadowy streets and when we launched into the desert the sweet air delightfully contrasted with the close offensive atmosphere of the town my companions as arabs will do on such occasions began to sing. End of chapter 12